0: and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au.
1: Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode.
0: Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Palestine Remembered. This morning, I have the distinct honor of introducing you to a dear friend who's been on the show before, a good friend of the show, Honorary Associate Professor Peter Slezak, who is a professor in history and philosophy at the University of New South Wales. And Peter was a co-founder in 2007 of Independent Australian Jewish Voices. who sought to widen the public discourse in support of Palestinian rights, especially within the Jewish community. Good morning, Peter.
1: Good morning, Nasser. Thanks. Uh, good to be with you.
0: Pleasure and honour is all ours. Peter, along with APAN, uh, and I know you're a board member along with me at APAN, last year we did some work and a joint statement with the Australia Jewish Democratic Society on the weaponisation of antisemitism and the IHRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, definition of antisemitism and the working examples. Can you talk us through where we're at today? Perhaps in the first instance, read out the definition and then we'll talk to it.
1: Yes, um, I should say before I read it, just to signal that, of course, it's become extremely problematic. And we'll talk about that, the extent to which it's being adopted all over the place. And um, and before I read it, uh, the definition itself is problematic, but vague, and it's not terrible. Um, uh, the, the problems come, as we'll see um, in, in the examples that are usually given with it. But the definition itself uh, is, is, as you'll see when I read it out in a moment, um, so vague, uh, it's been criticized on the grounds that it's so vague that it's actually quite unhelpful. So that's the definition. But let me read it. It's um, as follows. Antisemitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed towards Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. That's the end of the uh, definition. I think it's kind of awful as a definition because it's so unclear and and as one person said, it's precisely because it's so unclear that it's, it's um, uh, really quite useless in, in practice. Uh, this was a, a Canadian Jewish organisation that's written some very strong criticism of it. They've been very good about it and pointed out that it's actually harmful by being so vague because it's not clear what's included and what's not included. So that's the actual wording of the definition and... Um, if that was all that uh, would be to it, it would be I mean, easier to handle. But uh, the main problem really is that it is now accompanied officially by about 11 supposed illustrations or examples of anti-Semitism, of which of the 11, six or seven are about Israel. And of course, that's the serious issue. And we can talk about the specifics. I can give you a couple of those examples to talk about them. But
0: I think so, Peter. The, the basis of which in those working examples, the challenge is the conflation between the legitimate criticisms of the actions of the State of Israel and anti-Semitism. I mean, it's not anti-Semitic to criticise the siege of Gaza and 2 million people exactly. and keep them under, lock, uh, under siege for 15 years. exactly. It's anti-Semitic if you say it's the fault of all Jews worldwide that the state of Israel
1: does that. Well, that's more complicated. That's, too. that's a simple definition. Well, that's right. There's, there's a gray area. And, and and I think you're right. I mean, the interesting point about the illustration that you just gave and, and all the others, the defenders of the definition, as recently the director of the Executive Council Australian Jury in an article saying that there's no alternative to the definition, it's very revealing that they don't mention a single problem or, 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 or crime or that Israel is committing. So that if you don't mention all of the really legitimate grounds that you might have to complain about Israel you might think well why else would anybody be critical besides being an anti-Semite and they scrupulously omit all of the I mean litany of, of serious violations of human rights and, um, and crimes against humanity and everything else now if you don't mention any of those the ordinary person might think oh yes of course it's anti-Semitic but that's a trick to avoid talking about the, as as you and I know well the vast grounds for serious criticism of Israel. In fact, one of the examples that, that are given is that calling Israel a, um, a racist endeavor or Zionism a racist endeavor is meant to be anti-Semitic. But you know, you, you have to be completely ignorant of the current and recent events when Israel actually passes this this nation-state law, which declares that Israel is the state of the Jewish people, which is a Jewish supremacist, racist uh, declaration now built into the the essential, uh, essentially constitution of the of Israel. So. And and, and of course, Israel's own um, um, human rights organization, B'Tselem, has now remarkably come out and said that Israel is a Jewish supremacist state from the Jordan to the the river, not just in the West Bank or Gaza, but Israel itself proper. It's an apartheid state. So now here we have a definition of anti-Semitism that's supposed to, you know, uh, uh, um, regard those sorts of statements as anti-Semitic. It's just untenable. And, and, and that's why the whole um, definition and the working definition is so um, pernicious and, and harmful for us who are trying to stand up for human rights and, and the Palestinian uh, cause.
0: We should speak to that just very quickly to Betht Salem and just the who they are. The reality is Beth Salem is uh, Israel's biggest most internationally renowned human rights organization, an organization that the State Department of the United States, has used many times within policy formation, et cetera, et cetera, with respect to Israel. When your leading human rights organisation, the country's leading NGO says we're an apartheid country. That's right. Now anybody on the outside criticising them is an anti-Semite when the actual manifestations of anti-Semitism are growing so much around the world where, you know, former President Trump calls the good people who are marching in, you know, fawn pants and chambray shirts with candles, Mm. saying the Jews will not replace us, that there's a conflation between a human rights activist and calling upon Israel to, for international law to be upheld within Palestine, Israel. We are conflated with that guy who's yelling out, the Jews will not replace
1: us. That's right. That's the danger for Jews. I mean, in fact, a couple of the most eloquent statements have pointed out that the Jews who are supporting this don't realize what harm they're causing Jewish people themselves by giving a free ride to these rabid Jew haters and and assimilating them with people who stand for human rights. This is not helping the Jewish community at all. In fact, I've got a very nice quote, if I can put my uh, hands on it, from Norman Finkelstein, who's I think a great hero in this. He says that the real enemies of the Jews are those who debase the memory of Jewish suffering by equating Principled opposition to Israel's illegal and immoral policies with anti Semitism. They're doing more harm to, to, to the Jewish cause by, by, by really giving a free kick to the, the real uh, anti Semites.
0: Nobody, arguably. I mean, there's been a huge move, uh, you know, the cancel culture that uh, has been happening around Palestine for many years now, but very few have suffered the way he suffered from the weaponization of Palestinian solidarity. Exactly. Losing tenure after Dershowitz unloaded on him.
1: That's right, and of course, not only Finkelstein, but he himself has pointed to the case that's usually cited, unfortunately, uh, even here by politicians. But but generally, the Corbyn case, and and Corbyn has been a victim of the same um, assimilation of criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism. And Finkelstein uh, has has pointed out that there's not a shred of grounds that uh, to, to support um, Corbyn's uh, the claim of anti-Semitism against him. But that's another really uh, large-scale example of how how dangerous this whole uh, conflation has become.
0: We've heard murmurings around the Labour Party of a fear of a Corbyn-type campaign happening within the Australian Labour Party. Exactly.
1: In fact, some leading uh, Labour uh, figures um, uh, have, have referred to that as an example. I think they're just not well enough informed. I mean, it takes a little bit of reading uh, and people like Finkelstein and, and Another one I admire a lot is Jonathan Cook in England. He lives in Nazareth, actually. He's an English journalist and lives in Nazareth with a Palestinian wife. And he's written very well to show that this has been, been a beat up, which has been engineered uh, uh, inside the Labour Party in England and, and driven by agents from the Israeli government itself. So this is a campaign which sadly sticks. I mean, and, and Labour politicians here perhaps are mistakenly seeing that and, and overreacting. So we have work to do to try to counter this.
0: The uh, Al Jazeera investigation, if anybody hasn't seen it, just Google Al Jazeera mm. lobby, uh, uncovered really deep connections between the Hasbro mechanisms within the State of Israel and the, the United Kingdom and in particular within the Labor Party and how, in fact, they ran a, a very concerted campaign to delegitimize and debase the Labor Party, but then take down arguably one of the most humane world leaders that we might have ever had.
1: That's right. That's right. And the IHRA definition was part of that. Uh, uh, Corbyn resisted it, but ultimately the Labor Party uh, uh, adopted it. They embraced it, the British Labor Party.
0: Adopted it and all of the working examples, which are the most challenging parts of it. Exactly. Exactly. So
1: just going to say, and not only them, as you know, I've just prepared a report really for people in our Labour Party in Australia. And I was a bit shocked when I started to go into it to see not only the UK Labour Party, but countries all over the world uh, and and, and educational institutions have have embraced this and adopted it as official policy. With some pushback, there's some considerable and and relevant uh, resistance to it, but, but it's on a very significant scale around the world, not just in England
0: the thing about it is being adopted not just at government level but also within levels of bureaucracy and schools etc
1: yes exactly universities uh, a handful of universities um have have adopted it in fact uh, in some cases i think in england uh, uh, the funding of universities is contingent on whether they uh, officially uh, embrace this this definition so it's a, a i mean in america one of the uh, as far as i can tell not not quite so many universities have taken it on and other institutions, partly because they have their First Amendment and protected speech. And and these uh, provisions and the criticism of BDS and so on, they violate the United States' First Amendment of the Constitution, which permits uh, free speech, protects certain kinds of speech. And other places don't have that. We certainly don't have it. So uh, it makes it much harder for us to, to, to fight against
0: it. Donald Trump signed an executive order in mandating the State Department and a number of other places adopt it. Do you know if anything's come
1: of that? Oh, yes, it's worse than that. Biden, in the last few days, uh, I made a note in this uh, report, uh, it was hot, hot off the press, uh, breaking news. Biden, uh, the Biden administration has now officially uh, endorsed it, embraced it. So it's official policy in the United States. Now, if I can put my hands on it uh, here, I'll just read it out. Uh, there's an article on it. Um, the United States Department of State has now used the working dish definition along with examples of anti-Semitism since 2010, and the uh, item, the news items, uh, said the Secretary of State Tony Blinken wrote that the Biden administration enthusiastically embraces the International Holocaust Remembrance Associ- Alliance's working definition, including its full list of examples. That's the U.S. right now.
0: Well, that's in direct contravention to the uh, the First Amendment, then.
1: Well, it is, and that's why this battle will will be, be run very uh, significantly in the United States. People like the ACLU are very good on this. The American Civil Liberties uh, Union, they fight this, and uh, that's very important uh, as a precedent for the rest of us. So so this has some way to go. And in, in the US, too, some Jewish groups, very prominent Jewish groups, like Jewish Voices for Peace, I think, they're fighting against it. So this is significant, uh, especially coming from that quarter.
0: In Australia, what's your read here?
1: Well, difficult uh, issues to face here. I think there are some worrying signs. Uh, inside the Labour Party, uh, there have been rumblings um, and Penny Wong came out publicly at a Zionist Federation meeting saying that the Labour Party had embraced it uh, on the extent of this around the world and the grounds for criticism. There's, there are very many powerful statements, not least of all, for example, people like Geoffrey Robertson, the barrister. He's written a very powerful uh, criticism of it. So there are a number of important um, uh, arguments that have to be confronted, which I've tried to collate. I don't know much about where the Liberal Party stands on this, but of course, Eric Abetz, at Senate Estimates has attacked the ABC for not embracing the IHRA definition. Uh, One article appeared by the Palestinian historian, um, uh, Salman Abu Sita, and Eric Betz uh, uh, scolded and berated the director of the ABC for not having understood the IHRA definition. Now, uh, Eric Betz may be uh, kind of on the fringe a little bit, but perhaps not. So it's a significant case where even in, in, in the current government, These things have a certain amount of traction.
0: I know that speaking to a Jewish activist, there's a lot of online work going on with a lot of progressive Jewish voices. Let's call them progressive because we don't want to be associated with progressive Zionism if there's such a thing. But the youth are significantly, and this was her observation, the youth are significantly disconnected from these so-called appointed leaders of Zionism.
1: The Jews generally have? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's what she was saying
1: well that's more optimistic than, than my reading of it i think it is true that the leadership are not entirely representative they're much more militant and vocal in this extreme form the executive council of australian jury is one of the worst they claim to be representative of the jewish community they're and in fact they're not um, explicitly a zionist organization but they are just uncritical apologists for everything that israel does um, but it's true the leadership are more militant i, I my own experience By mixing in the Jewish community and going to some of their their conferences and so on, they're more willing to listen, and and um, uh, they're not entirely uh, on board. But it's a bit hard to get a clear picture of that. I I wouldn't want to overstate it. Um, uh, Australia's Jews are, are different from the American Jews. They're very much more. I mean, here I think they'll all be mostly Republican voters. You know, I think here they're much more conservative. America has a longer history of progressive. Political engagement, uh, intellectual and and academic, and and political involvement in in progressive causes. Here, the Jewish community are uh, quite different. They're mainly post war migrants. We don't have that history of uh, engagement and and social progressive causes. So um, it's a bit hard to say, but to to be fair, uh, I have some very warm relations with a couple of rabbis, and they're pushing uh, and and, uh, uh, um, forcing their community to confront um, a more uh, open-minded and a more progressive view uh, than you would get from let's say the the um, you know executive council Australian jury or AJAC and these leaders so I think there is something in in that I, I don't know quite how how fairly or uh, accurately to, to characterize the whole community um, as I say I think they are perhaps still very conservative I mean I have plenty of discussions in the Jewish community and and the interesting question is how far, they're willing to listen the reality is though uh, that the jewish community are woefully ignorant like the rest of the community i mean in a sense the mainstream media really are hardly portraying the extent of the horrors that the palestinians are suffering so there's that sense in which um there's this combination of ignorance and, and prior um, um pre-judgment prejudice so so it's a bit hard to get a, a clear sense but but there are positive signs i agree
0: with that i never actually articulated that thought process in my mind because when, when you t- i was talking about jewish activism the reality if you think about the united states the struggle against jim crow laws the freedom marches mm-hmm. the anti-apartheid struggle there was very significant jewish involvement throughout that
1: they were they were always at the forefront uh, walking in one famous rabbi i think it was herschel walked with with martin luther king and there was no significant case and in south africa too some of the leading yeah. anti-apartheid uh, uh, warriors were, were the leading jews um, but it's different when it comes to Israel, you know, um, that's, a, that's it's
0: a, progressive except for Palestine.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the, 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 people often ask, I mean, it's a good question. Why of all people, the Jews are so uh, capable, given their history. Um, uh, so much on the wrong side of this uh, human rights question, why they can't see. It's a good question and it's a difficult one that needs to be teased out, but there are there are reasons for it. And a large part of it is ignorance. I mean, even the Israelis themselves, as Gideon Levy is always pointing out in Haaretz, it's, it's amazing how little they know about what's happening a few kilometres away.
0: Blissful ignorance, willful ignorance, who knows. But I'd like to challenge you on that. And as a humanist, we should all have human. Should we hold the Jews to a higher standard than than someone else? Is that legitimate?
1: I... That's a good question. Look, um, I, have a I, I think their history is relevant in, in, uh, in, in asking the question of what do we expect of the Jews as Jews? The self-identifying or, or Jews that, that are very conscious of their own history. Um, the most eloquent answer to your question really came from Edward Said. Um, I'm often quoting, he, he gave these wonderful wreath lectures in 1994 called Representations of the Intellectual. And he was very sensitive uh, to, to, to the need for all people to belong to their ethnic community and the fact that we care about our music and our food culture and so on. But he pointed out that we shouldn't be blinded to, to uh, uh, or, or to only see the crimes of others. We have to be sensitive to our own uh, responsibilities. And to that extent, I mean, the Jews, I think, are rightly uh, required to confront their responsibility as as self-identifying Jews in a community, especially when Israel professes to speak on behalf of all Jews. There's just no question that in that case, you can't simply be quiet or look the other way. That's the lesson we're supposed to have learned. In fact, the most eloquent people who speak uh, on the basis of their history, like Amira Haas, whose mother was a Holocaust survivor, she has a very powerful statement about what motivates her. And it was a lesson from her mother who saw when she went, to her, her mother went to the concentration camps. She saw the German housewives, um, seeing them uh, enter the camp or the, 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 the gas chambers or whatever they were seeing, and they uh, looked the other way, and 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 she called it this despicable looking from the side where you you are an observer but you you uh, you, you you distance yourself from it. And and, and her lesson was the Jews uh, shouldn't adopt that same. Uh, turning aside this despicable looking from the side, she called it and and feigning ignorance. We, I mean, me growing up, we had contempt for the Germans who claimed that they didn't know anything. And um, so to that extent, you're right, there is, I think, a responsibility for Jews as Jews. To, to not remain silent and not look the other way. Of course, that's true for everybody when it comes to, to their own responsibility. Chomsky is also very eloquent about this. People are often bellyaching about the crimes of other people, the Chinese or the Russians or somebody else. And, and it's very convenient to criticise the crimes of other people, but your primary responsibility is for your own group and, and where you can make a difference. We as Australians to be critical of Australia and, and so on. And so uh, your, your question is a fair one. And I think it, it, it's a telling one where, where Jews pretend that they don't have some special, I mean, for example, one of the interesting criticisms, your question leads to an interesting point. People often say, why are you so obsessed with Israel? Why don't you, you know, criticize everybody else in the world, um, which there's something in that. Of course, one, one should um, be critical of others, but, but you don't have an equal, uh, you don't have a symmetry in relation to other uh, crimes. You have a particular capacity to make a difference when it comes to your own group, and so that's the obvious answer to that question. And uh, and and it applies in this case, given the the really appalling extent of the the crimes for which Israel is responsible on behalf of all Jews, especially the leadership. Uh, they so scrupulously avoid even hinting at anything that Israel does. It's it's it's, it's quite systematic. Uh, they simply won't say anything, no matter how bad. Uh, it is that uh, Israel uh, uh, behaves in, in terms of its crimes. So, so yes, I think you're making a very powerful point.
0: Thanks for that, Peter. I appreciate your insight as, as a Jewish person and also, you know, Amira Haas and, and Chomsky, you know, some fabulous people and drawing in Edward's Aid. I, I don't want to uh, exceptionalise the Jewish people that they should be A, more humane or B, no. give everybody a leave pass and say you don't have to be as humane as a Jewish person that you think should be more humane. As humans, we all have a collective responsibility to the pain and anguish of us all. That's right. Um, That's right. And wherever that might be. Now, I'm not exceptionalizing Israel when I criticise it because, you know, my own personal circumstances are because of That's right. Zionism, because of the ethnic cleansing of my, my father from his... Ancestral home. That's
1: right. Well, you're on the other side because you're on the victim side. I'm on the perpetrators' side, and uh, that that makes us both uh, in, involved in 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 quite different ways.
0: Peter, one of the challenges for a Palestinian on the outside, and not to, I mean, it's so important to understand just a how painful anti-Semitism is, and mm. and how it's at the root of so much pain and misery throughout time, is to understand that those people that are anti-Semitic. In fact, hate everybody, you know, blacks, gays, yeah. Jews, trans. I mean, they've got a, a litany of people on their list. If you're not blue-eyed, blonde and six feet tall, you know, we're not really sure if you're on our team. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: One of the challenges in endeavouring to combat the insidiousness of the IHRA definition and the working examples, because it's meant to stifle our activism. Exactly. Is that as a Palestinian, we're, we're having to find space to get our narrative in there. I mean, so often we hear about Palestine spoken by, whether it's Jewish people or white blokes in suits, very rarely is a, an articulate Palestinian given the opportunity.
1: And there are plenty of them. It's not like there aren't
0: any of them. We can round up a few. and We've got some fantastic women I'd like to nominate. That's right. But That's right. Here we are in, within that IHRA space, the weaponization of anti-Semitism, where Palestinians denied the, I mean, the chance of a Palestinian getting a voice that isn't cast as, here's proof why we need it.
1: That's right. That's right. But, of course, the, the Palestinians have been demonised even before that as terrorists and, you know, the, that whole, uh, Edward Said again, wrote a wonderful book about, um, it was called Covering Islam, how uh, Arabs and and, uh, Muslims in particular uh, are subject to the worst stereotypes and and racial uh, prejudice. Um, And so that is part of it, which is taking a long time to undo. And the Jews um, are are playing on those sorts of stereotypes to condemn uh, any Palestinian voices as inevitably based on Jew hatred. So you're right, this is a very difficult thing. And that's why I think, to go back to your earlier point, we on on the Jewish side have to stand up and be counted and and, and resist this because you and and Palestinians deserve to speak uh, uh, from their point of view and from what they're suffering. And and there's no shortage of eloquent voices. But of course, um, this is by design, Uh, as you rightly say, it's to suppress and dismiss Uh, voices coming from, in this case, the the, the side of the victims so that we don't have to take them seriously. If you can condemn them in in some prejudicial way as anti-Semitic or as terrorists or supporting terrorism, then you don't listen. You don't have to pay attention to what they actually say. I often make a joke about this. I would say, "Okay, okay, so I'm anti-Semitic or I'm a self-hating Jew. Now, listen to what I'm telling you. The question is whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter. You know, this is a trick by by dismissing people in some sort of stereotype. it, It spares people from listening to 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 what they're saying i often said to one other philosopher put it nicely don't look at my hand or my finger look where it's pointing you know there's there's a point being made and and that's what is is, is conveniently and it goes back interestingly i've just uh, in, in writing this report um, i came across a quote by Eber Abba Eban, who was the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, we're talking 50 years ago, and he said something really quite shocking. I won't try and read the quote out here somewhere, but he said to Jews, when they're talking with Gentiles, to non-Jews, it's very important to make sure that all criticism of Israel is labelled anti-Semitic. He was giving this advice. Now, this goes back a long way. So that's been, been deeply entrenched and not only uh, among Jews themselves. So yes, you, you're quite right. It's, it's something that, And and I'm, I should say in this, I, I had a really uh, um, disappointing experience going back to your earlier question. I drafted a statement, uh, which was an open letter from Jews. And in that I said, uh, I was hoping to get signatories from progressive Jews, but in fact, from any Jews. And I said there explicitly, Look, it doesn't matter where you stand on the Israel-Palestine question. You could be a Zionist. You should care about the weaponization or the abuse of the accusation of anti-Semitism. And this is independent of whether you're pro pro and Zionist or not. You know, I couldn't get enough signatures to make this thing worth putting up online. Uh, I couldn't get pro- some of the more progressive Jews to sign it. So this is very disappointing as, as a sign of the difficulty we have in in, in allowing Palestinian voices and, and people to stand up for, for even uh, when they think anti-Semitism is, is a serious concern, they really don't see it clearly enough. Um, so I think this is a serious problem.
0: We've only got a, a minute or so to go, but I think I'm not anti-Australian. If I criticise Australia's refugee that's policy, our current refugee policy, because our current refugee policy doesn't allow for my stateless father to find refuge, meet my mum, raise three sons and uh, grandchildren. That's right. It's not inherently uh, anti-Australian to criticise the actions of our government. It's not inherently anti-Semitic to criticise the State of Israel. It can be anti-Semitic if you do. There are ways to do it in an anti-Semitic way. But the conflation, and this is perhaps I'll just get a quick comment on you, where we've now got, you know, right-wing politicians conflating the far left with the far right as if, advocating for free education, shelter, a living wage, climate activism is on par with white supremacy and the Jews will not replace us.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. It's very pernicious. I have to say quickly, though, you know, the extent of anti-Semitism is often exaggerated. Look, I grew up in Australia. I can tell you I didn't have a single real experience of anti-Semitism in my whole life. I ask other Jews who grew up here. So I think we have to be very careful not to exaggerate. It. I think Jews are inclined to be a bit paranoid about this and overstated. And And you're point is right i mean uh, you can't just lump in uh, all sorts of other things like uh, you're saying to be a, a good australian doesn't mean you're uncritical and it's the opposite but they use that trick in america too to be un-american um, we understand what it was in the soviet union if someone was critical of, of the soviet's policies we didn't uh, we, we admired them for speaking out against their own group and i think we, that's our responsibility
0: Indeed. Peter, thanks very much for joining us today on Palestine Remembered.
1: Thanks, Nasser. It's always a privilege. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thanks so
0: much. And that was Honorary Professor Peter Slezak. Thanks for listening to Palestine Remembered, Australia's only dedicated Palestine show. Be sure to tell your friends, share the podcast, listen in next week. And remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.